Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Bernadette Anderko, and I'm one of the investment writers at Julius Baer in Zurich. I'm going to provide an overview of the recent market activity. Overnight in the US, strong earnings reports fueled stock gains for a second session. The Dow Jones Industrial Average added 337.98 points, or 1.12%, to close at 30,523 spot 80. The S&P 500 advanced 1.14%, with all 11 sectors showing positive performance. And the Nasdaq Composite gained 0.9% to finish at 10,772 spot 40. Shares in Asia-Pacific were mixed overnight. The Hang Seng Index in Hong Kong is off 1.6%, with the Hang Seng Tech Index slipping more than 2.75% following leader John Lee's policy address. Mainland China's Shanghai Composite shed 0.51%, while the Shenzhen component has lost 0.77%. China was due to release home prices data overnight, but the release has been delayed. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 is up over half a percent, and the topics gained 0.35%. In currencies, the dollar is steady, but the pound has fallen after UK consumer prices rose 10.1% in September from a year earlier, matching a 40-year high reached in July. The euro has also slipped. In Japan, the authorities continued their jawboning of the yen, with the finance minister saying he's increasing the frequency of monitoring foreign exchange markets. The currency hovered at around 149 per dollar. In the bond markets, Treasury yields held near multi-year highs before the publication of US housing data for September and the Fed's beige book. The yield on the 10-year hit 4.03%. In the commodities space, oil climbed from a two-week low on concern that the European Union's latest sanctions on Russian fuel could exacerbate the market tightness that the US is trying to alleviate with additional sales. West Texas Intermediate rose as much as 1.6%, having dropped 7% in the previous three sessions on the US attempts to push down prices. The Biden administration should announce later today its plan to release 15 million barrels from US emergency oil reserves in an effort to ease high gas prices. Elsewhere, gold declined and Bitcoin traded at around $19,300. In the news, the Minneapolis Fed president, Neil Kashkari, said that the Federal Reserve cannot pause its campaign of monetary policy tightening once its benchmark interest rate reaches four and a half to four and three quarter percent, if underlying inflation is still accelerating. In the UK, the Bank of England has announced its intent to start its delayed bond sales earlier next month. Starting quantitative tightening is the next stage for the bank's governor, Andrew Bailey, as he puts the inflation fight back at the heart of the bank. Meanwhile, the UK's embattled Prime Minister, Liz Truss, seems to be living on to fight another day. However, she's not only facing the prospect of parliamentary rebellion if she's forced to abandon a key Conservative manifesto commitment on pensions, but also the executive of the 1922 committee, which controls the rules governing the Tory leadership process, meets this afternoon. Data-wise today, we have Euro Area CPI, EIA Crude Oil Inventory Report, the US MBA Mortgage Applications, Building Permits and Housing Starts, and of course, the Fed Beige Book. And finally, European markets look to be heading for a positive open today. The futures boards are a gorgeous wash of green. That's it for the markets wrap. Now I'm pleased to hand over to Mathieu Rachete, head of equity strategy, to give us an update on his view on the IT sector. Thank you very much, Bernadette. You know, if you focus on the IT sector, the stocks there came under immense pressure since the beginning of the year, 
mainly due to the sharp rise in bond yields, which affected their valuations. So IT stocks are generally characterized as having more cash flows in the distant future compared to the broad markets. Therefore, an increase in the discount rate tends to over-proportionally impact IT stocks on the negative side. With valuations now back at more reasonable levels and limited upside to bond yields from here, we think investors will increasingly focus on the earnings outlook. Therefore, it will be important to focus on the resilience of earnings in the wake of this economic downturn that we are facing. Mid-sized companies with weaker free cash flow generation and more volatility in earnings tend to suffer more in times of macroeconomic uncertainties. Overall, our strategy here is to focus on large cap companies with high free cash flow generation in times of increased capital market volatility. The software sector stands out given its steady cash flow streams with many having subscription-based revenues and contracts that are linked to the consumer price index, which partially protects investors against further advances in the inflation numbers. Therefore, compared to the hardware and semiconductor space, we see less earnings risk in the software segments. When it comes to valuations, uh, we mentioned it before, the whole post-pandemic re-rating that happened in the software space has been completely reversed by now. The subsector is trading back at 25 times forward price to earnings, which is the lowest level since the second quarter of 2019. So the bottom line is, uh, Software stock remain vulnerable against the further rise in real rates, but we think its defensive earnings profile will make them more resilient in this challenging environment. With that, back to you, Bernadette. Thank you very much, Mathieu. We'll move from equities now to a segment of the bond markets. Dario Messi joins us from Fixed Income Research with a focus today on emerging market bonds. Yes, thank you, Bernadette, and good morning to all of you. Yeah, I mean, beside the IT sector that we just heard, we have another victim of higher yields, and this is basically emerging market bonds. Um, we all know yields surge globally this year, but it's even more extreme um, what we see for emerging market debt. So just looking at this segment, we see now some really high absolute levels. Take just one of the most watched and followed index provided by JP Morgan, um, emerging market sovereigns in hard currency yields now on average almost 10%. Uh, this is possible because the index repriced massively and lost 25% year to date. Uh, this is remarkable even for a year like this one. So the question is certainly justified, is the yield too high to ignore here at this point in time? Let's spend some time first on how this segment ended up here. First, we lost part of the growth engine globally, but even more importantly for emerging economies, China. So the COVID strategy and some adjustment in China's policy priorities is certainly not helping here. Then talking about China, obviously also the property market crisis is still ongoing. In Europe, we have the war and the emerging economies are suffering either directly from it or are experiencing extremely high inflation levels caused um, by the energy prices. And then also going into this year, we had some political uncertainties in Latin America. So basically headwinds across the regions for emerging market debt. Then we have a US dollar, which is getting stronger and stronger, which is always difficult for countries which have a substantial part of their liabilities in dollars. So we have uh, to say though, that such external vulnerabilities improved compared to other episodes, but still, the problem is this self-fulfilling prophecy of dollar strength and EM bond weakness. 
So the more investors worry about the dollar strength and the higher US rates, the more foreign capital is flowing out of these countries and the stronger the dollar gets again. And after all, we had a search for yield environment for many years. Now that you can find much higher yield levels in the US as well, the value proposition of EM debt quickly diminished. And all of a sudden, the opportunity set is broader and EM debt basically just got more competition to attract capital. So our conclusion here, valuations have become attractive, no doubt about this, but revaluation could take some time. And we are watching out for triggers to get more involved again with the emerging market debt, like, for example, more promising news out of China on the COVID strategy or a less aggressive stance by the Fed as inflation quickly rolls over. But until then, we prefer developed market credit exposure. That's it. Back to you, Bernadette. Thank you very much for the updates and the rationale, Dario. Well, we've reached the end of today's podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you'll join us for the next installment. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.